Yeah, yeah. Welcome back. It's your guy, EDI, with another edition of the Outlaw Show. And I'm super happy, man, to have not only somebody I consider a friend, but a, a, a living a living legend in the journalistic, the hip-hop journalistic world. You know what I mean? And maybe hip-hop might be kind of kind of putting you in a box because you interview people from all walks of life. Try to. All levels mm-hmm. of the game. Ladies and gentlemen, Vlad TV. Vlad is in the building mm-hmm. on the Outlaw Show, what man. Up, man. What's happening, man? My Thanks brother. for coming through the man cave. My pleasure. Chilling out with me, man, and, yeah. and the team. Frenzy Broadcasting is in the building. So look, man, I just seen the other day on Twitter, 20 years ago, Mm-hmm. Yeah, you put out your first mixtape. Yeah, twenty years ago on the internet. I was actually, I'm pretty sure I was the first DJ to release a mixtape on the internet. Wow. Yeah, the first one. It was a, it was a Cypress Hill mixtape. It's called Soul Assassination Volume One. Uh huh. Me, me and Be Real talked about it when I interviewed him, and yeah, I believe that was the first internet release mixtape ever. Might be wrong. Someone might pop up before yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. When they see this interview, yeah, you know, yeah. you're going to have somebody who's like, nah, man, I'm yeah. down in Alabama. Like, nah, yeah. I put it in it. But this was like 2001. Right. You know what I mean? There were no MP... Well, MP3s were just starting to kind of pop up a little bit uh, and, and so forth. But yeah, right around that time. So what gave you the, the foresight, you know, the vision to do that at that time when it was not being done? Like, where did that inspiration come from? What did you see? Yeah. Um, having limited resources. I was in the Bay. I was in Oakland. Oh, okay. And so uh, there was no mixtape distribution scene out there like New York, like a Canal Street or, mm. you know, like uh, like L.A. had and yeah. swap meets and yeah. so forth. Yeah. So I was like, all right, how am I going to get it out there? The Internet. Let's start there. And then slowly work into places like Rasputin's and Amoeba Records and so forth afterwards. But yeah, yeah it yeah. started with the Internet. And that's what made the biggest impact as well. Okay, so moving forward, you put out two monumental mixtapes that kind of like blew you up the rap phenomenon mixtapes exactly the rap phenomenon mixtapes but vlad here's the thing you weren't a dj you didn't start off as a dj right like start off my my my, as an adult (laughs) no i mean like (laughs) like how were you a dj when you started Started when what? you put your mixtape, when you put the mixtape out, when yeah. you were a DJ, like yeah. I, ones I was, and twos, yeah, I was doing, shit. I was doing house parties. Um, I think right around that time I started with house parties. I slowly moved up to small clubs in, in San Francisco and Oakland, like Nikki's Barbecue and uh, Justice League, and you know a bunch of other like places and so forth. And then you know worked my way up, moved to New York to pursue being a big club DJ. Why the fuck can I not see that right now? I can't see you as a DJ, probably because probably I know you well, I mean, the way I know you now. Well, there's actually, and you guys could pull this up, there's a video of me on Rap City, DJing on Rap City. Get the fuck I think, out of I think uh, kind of leading into um, Dipset. Yeah. Yo, we got to find that. I, I was on Rap we gotta City. We got to find yeah. that. I was on Rap that. City like twice. Gotta... Twice, yeah. One time I actually had the butcher outfit with like the, the apron and the... The wife beater and all that shit, you know, trying to be a little gimmicky, whatever. But yeah, nah, I'm, I'm DJ, DJ, for real. You know, did clubs and then started touring. You know, once the once the rap phenomenon mixtape started blowing up, that's when I started getting booked in like, you know, uh, Australia, mm. Bahrain, um, 
Italy, nice. Belgium, you know, and so forth, uh, Japan. And, you know, that's when I started to actually move around and really do DJing on a slightly bigger level. So, I, you know, I got it. You know what I'm going to ask next. What's that? Is the DJ Vlad ever going to make a return? I don't think so. Nah, you don't I, miss I don't it at think all? So. I, I do miss it. You, you're not going to say anyone who performed. You got tables at the crib, Vlad? I do not. Wow, I do, I do no not. Table I do not. I'm keeping it 100. Um, I mean, who doesn't miss having a crowd of hundreds or thousands of people that you're controlling and they're cheering for you and then you put it's gotta on... It's got to be a hell of a film. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just like performing, right? When you put on that one song and yeah. then, ah, like, yeah. you know, it's the same thing for a DJ. You put on that one nah, song 100%. and... Ah, who who doesn't miss that? But uh, my life doesn't really allow for that type of thing right now just because of how busy I am. Yeah. And... Um, you know, I mean, realistically, I never got to a level of a Diplo of getting 100000 per show and, and that type of thing. So, But you could totally get that now. I don't think I want to so. book the I, tour. Okay. Can I book the DJ? If you, if you book the tour, there's, Can there's I book some, the, real, some real money Don't fucking it. say that, Black. I'll there's some real money behind it. I'll have you real, working, okay, brother. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. If there's a real money behind it, I'll, I'll go on a tour. There you go. It's on, it's on camera. It's on camera, y'all. Right. There's real money behind it. I'm going to get the work. <laughs> I'm going to get the work. Okay. Man, so, all right, 20 years. Yeah. How does your transition from DJ now to journalist, when you just rolling around in your car and you chilling, does it fuck, fuck your head up a little bit? Like, I started here and now I'm there. Or was it a plan? Because there's some people that plot their shit out all, the whole way and make it through. I'm, I'm reading the Rizzo's book right now. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how he had the five-year Wu-Tang plan. Mm. And he got every member to commit to the five-year plan. And in the fourth year is when they dropped the second Wu-Tang album and they were the biggest group. Mm-hmm. Is your career like that? Or was it just like a lot of just figuring out, pivoting when you had to and saying, oh, shit, this works? Yeah, I think it was more door number two. I think that uh, when I got into it, I I started out with no kind of backbone in the, in the entertainment industry at all. I was a complete and total outsider. I was just a fan living in Oakland. Crazy. And I had to just step by step figure out what the first step is and how to make a little bit of money here and how to increase the money and so forth. So you kind of, yeah, I can't say that early on I knew this was what it was going to be, but, you know, I also understood that I got into it a little bit later in life. You know, by the time I was 30, I was just sort of starting my mixtape career. You know, I wasn't even like Rap Phenomenon. I don't think I was maybe 31 when Rap Phenomenon, the first one dropped. And it was like, all right, I have a long life to live and I can't rely on DJ bookings mm-hmm. to keep me going, right? So, okay, let me think a little more long-term. All right, mixtapes. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's cool. Okay, more long-term than mixtapes because CDs are going away. Okay, DVDs. Okay, cool. The DVDs are going away too. The internet. So it's just sort of like trying to look ahead every year, two years led me to sort of pivot in other ways. But I, I can't honestly say I, I knew about this five years in, you know, mm-hmm. five years before. Like, okay, five years time, I'm going to have a media company and so forth. Because if you were to tell me, you know, this is as someone who bought every XXL magazine, every Source magazine, and if I could find like rap pages or murder dog, I'd get that too. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you were to tell me that in the future, I will start my own media company and it'd be bigger than all of these combined. 
you know, and these are all backed by corporations and so forth, bigger than Vibe, bigger than whatever. I, I think that's just ridiculous. I, I, you know, I didn't really have aspirations to do this type of thing as a kid or even as a teenager, or even in my early 20s. So it was really more of like a meandering thing of like, okay, let me figure out what, what's the next big thing and really put as much of my attention into it. And once YouTube hit and I started Vlad TV as a YouTube channel, that's when the big light bulb went up over my head. And that's when I stopped DJing and doing mixtapes. Because I said, this is too important right now. This is too big of an opportunity right now. This is the future. So let me just cut out all this little short. Money. And what year was that? 2008. 2008. Yes, I'm 13 years in. 2008. Yeah. Yeah, it took me seven years to figure out, six years, six years to figure out that Vlad TV was going to be the focus. All right, so I want to switch. <clears throat> I want to kind of stay in the same on the same topic, but kind of mm-hmm. switch the subject cryptocurrency yeah is now the, the 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 biggest buzz word you can probably say right now to people you know something is big when you got hood cats coming up to you talking <laughs> right. about yo you got this you got this safe moon crypto you got to get up on the safe moon crypto dog oh, that's the new one. i'm like <laughs> so You've always had an opinion about that, mm-hmm. especially, um, and you've given me some advice in, in in my stock career. You know what I mean? And and when I say advice, I want to be clear. Vlad doesn't tell me what stocks to buy or anything like that. You know what I mean? His his uh his basic principle is buy it and don't try to sell it right away. Buy something you like and keep it. And so that's just for everybody out there. Like yo. Vlad and Edie be talking about, nah, it ain't like that. But you have given me advice, you know what I mean? I, I mean not not necessarily advice. I've said this is what I I do. Right. If you want to do something kind of similar, this is how you pretty much do it, and boom. then you just go off on your own and do boom. what you do. And, and I yeah. do what I do. Right. Your opinion on crypto, especially being somebody uh-huh. that kind of is able to see see waves, and you know what uh-huh. I mean. You're not big on this way, but my my opinion on crypto is the same opinion I had when we spoke last time, which was about maybe two years ago. Mm-hmm. I think it, was, it was three years ago. Three years ago, I just went back and listened to that interview. Right we did it in 2017, I think, I think it got up to about twenty thousand at that point. Then it dropped to like maybe six, mm-hmm. and then it started to go up. It got up to like sixty thousand. Then I think it's maybe at fifty or forty now. Mm-hmm. Um, my opinion on crypto is exactly the same way, uh, and that is is that I still don't really see a particular value and advantage of using cryptocurrency over US cash. When I see that and you know when and if that happens, my opinions will then have to be adjusted. But in 2021 uh, in May, it's essentially what it was back then. It was something that when a lot of people get excited over it, it goes up in value. Mm-hmm. And then when something bad happens around it, like, you know, Tesla deciding not to accept Bitcoin anymore and saying that they don't, you know, they're not going to promote the platform, you know, the Bitcoin platform because of how much energy it uses and what what effect it has on the planet. Right. Uh, Or when China decides that they're outlawing crypto in the entire country to focus Mm. on their own digital currency, which is actually the reason why the big drop just happened. You know, those two things together, but more China than 
Elon Musk, you see you see massive drops of up to 50 percent. Mm-hmm. You know, will it go up? Will it go down? I, I, I don't know. But the way I approach um, investment is just different because I'm not trying to get rich off my investments. You know, I'm, I'm trying to grow what I have already. And the way I look at it is I invest things that I see real value in and things that I use myself and so forth. When it gets to the point where I'm using crypto for everything, and all my transactions, uh, I'll probably invest in some of it, mm-hmm. you know? And and when you really think about it, crypto is not supposed to be an investment anyways. It's supposed to be a form of currency. Right. So when people say invest in crypto, it's a bit of an oxymoron in a certain type of way, but I understand what it is. And that's my take on it. Okay. And so moving forward, we got the crypto thing and then we have the stock thing mm-hmm. and moving like everybody out there paying attention right now, listening to this interview, it's not to influence any decision that you already have in your head. This is just two guys discussing how we feel about it. One funny thing we was talking about the other day was that I think Elon Musk did a joke on Saturday night live. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, yeah, he said Dogecoin is a hustle and then Dogecoin dropped like, Whatever. It's very 40%. volatile. Well, yeah, and and that that's the thing, right? You know, do you want to be invested in something that one person could massively affect mm-hmm. one human being who's not even part of whatever that is? Yeah. I can imagine if you know if Jeff Bezos goes on, you know, Saturday Night Live and says that Amazon is a scam or a hustle, then yeah, that kind of makes sense. He's the CEO of that company. Elon Musk is just a regular guy that may own some Dogecoin. So he goes and makes a joke about it, then wow. You know, like I said, I, I look at my my investments differently than someone else. I understand if you if you got ten thousand in your bank account and you're trying to see a hundred and, and you're just trying to flip it into whatever times ten right. quick money you can, then yeah, that that that's gonna be your your path. Whenever I've done that, I've ended up losing everything. Mm-hmm. You know, so whenever I think of stuff like that, I think about my track record. And one thing that always stuck with me that you said to me, you said, Edie, the stock market never zeroed out. It never. drops, it's gotten super low, yeah. but it's never zeroed out. The stock market as a whole. Companies have gone out of business. Yeah, the stock market the as world, a whole. WorldCom has gone out of business. Right. But all the tech, you know, that was pretty much it that year for anything on the Fortune 500. Mm-hmm. Business, you know, yeah. You know, because... Like I said, there's very much of a difference than investing in like a in gold versus investing into a company that's creating creating money every day. Okay. With the gold, you're hoping that tomorrow it's worth more than it was today because people want gold tomorrow. Right. But if gold goes out of style and everyone's rocking silver, then gold, you know, if all around the world everyone's just rocking silver, then gold will ultimately go down in value. It has nothing to do with what it's generating because it's not gener- generating anything. But a company like a Google, ultimately, yeah, it'll it'll fluctuate during the course of the year based on the rest of the market. But every quarter when they release their earnings and they show how much they make and what their profit is, that's what really establishes the price. And that's what I look at. I look at things that create money. And if they're always creating money, ultimately, I feel that I will make money with that company over time. Pay attention, boys and girls. All right? You know, I like to jump around. I want to jump into... Your favorite interviews. Oof. Give me, I'm not going to make it too hard for you. Give me two of your favorite interviews so far to date. And then after that, I want you to give me 
two interviews that did numbers for you, but you're not that crazy about maybe that crazy about how you did or the guests, whatever the case may be. Uh, I always have to say that one of my all time favorites is uh, uh, Fab Morvan of Milli Vanilli. Wow, uh, that's such an epic story. You know, the only musical act to have to give back their Grammys. It's crazy. <laughs> Ever in the history of the Grammys. Girl, you know it's true. Yeah, the guy who actually sang that just died the other day. Get the actual the guy. The real. The real guy. Right, the real guy. He just died. Rest in, like in peace. 60, man. 66 peace. or something. Relatively mm-hmm. young. Um, so Did he get the Grammy? Do you know that? Did they actually? No, no they, they got the Grammys. They had to give them back. And then uh, I mean, but did the Grammys like give it to the real guy? No, like, that's, no, that's seems like what should have happened. Just a, no one got the Grammy. <laughs> best new artist that year. It's just vacant. There is no best there new artist. There is no best new artist. It's fucked There's up. There's a second yeah, best man. new artist, but not a Millie, best new Nilli, artist. Millie, Millie Vanilli basically fucked up the whole year. Fucked up that year. <laughs> In multiple categories. I think album of the year, they also got like, like they, they nabbed like, like three, three or maybe even four Grammys. Um, so yeah, they had to give back their Grammys and then, you know, one of the guys, the, the light skinned dude, I forgot his name, went into a deep depression, got mm-hmm. on drugs yeah. and ultimately, I either, think I seen the behind yeah, the story yeah. on VH1 assumption, like either that. committed suicide or overdosed one yeah. of the two right yeah. before going to rehab the next day. Yeah. Um, so it, it was just such an epic story, you know, and then, you know, the record company had to give people refunds. It was just kind of a, Damn. just like a clown show at one point. But yeah, that, that story was, was so epic that uh you know I, I think ranks one of my top ones and uh you know i, I have to say the key D interview <laughs> i mean I, I you can't just not mention that because i feel that that single-handedly answered everyone's questions about mm-hmm. about how you know your homie tupac passed away mm-hmm. i i think after watching that no one no one could really run with anything but that only first-hand account but you already know I mean, people will run with something else, but you already know. At the end of the day, people out there that's like, nah. Yeah, right. You know, I know who did it. Right, and and the important part is is that his story also perfectly matches up with everyone else who was there. Yeah, I mean, you just got including you. You just got to have Chris Carroll, you know, and so forth. So I I think I think that that ultimately, you know, I feel like kind of solved. You know, even though people like you already knew. For the public, I feel it ultimately solved that mm-hmm. unsolved case. Okay. Yeah. And so, two interviews that did great for you, but that I didn't like. Yeah. That you don't watch. You would. You wouldn't go back and watch it. So we can make everybody watch. Them. Huh. <laughs> Wait. That. Okay. That the did numbers. They did good they did for numbers, you. But. But you're I, not I, too fine. I'm not too fond of the interview. It might be your performance. It might be the guest. Whatever, whatever reason why. Um, you know, I, I wasn't happy with uh, you know, the fact that Tretch walked out of our interview. That's an interview that you actually helped facilitate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I never liked that. I, I'm someone that uh, the, the few times that, that that's happened, I've usually just cut that out of the footage completely. In his case, I almost I, I felt it was. It wasn't exactly a walkout. It was more of a just a, I'm getting too emotional and getting mm-hmm. frustrated with, 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 you know, these questions about, you know, my, my friend Tupac. And, you know, it's just I just got to walk out at this point, mm-hmm. you know, and me and him, you know, kind of gave each other a hug afterwards and so forth. Like it wasn't like a. Right. But having someone walk out of an interview, I feel as, a, as an interviewer, 
you've somewhat failed mm-hmm. because you have to figure out how to ask these questions in a way that a person doesn't just say, fuck this. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to figure out a way to ease into it where it's you're respectful and you make the person feel comfortable and they answer it honestly. Yeah. Or if they don't answer it, they're at least willing to answer more questions. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so so that that to me was a, was a disappointment. It, it did numbers and, you know, everyone likes to see the the walkout and everything right. else like that. Right. But to me, it was... Uh, it's dramatic. You know? it, was, it, was, it was a disappointment. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I'm trying to think what else. Uh, and if you don't have another one, that's cool. I'm, I'm going to leave it at that one. I, yeah. I think that's the one that comes off the top of my head. Yeah, that's that's yeah. all right. Yeah. Because, you know, doing this shit is, is, is not necessarily uh, um, an easy thing when you got to ask <laughs> tough motherfucking questions. Yeah, like I do. Like you do. <laughs> and so that leads me into my next question. Right. The rumors that's around. Right. Which, which ones? There's, the rumors that's so around. Many. Let me pick the number one rumor. Right. Let's hear it. That you work for the federal government. You right. work for the FBI. Right. You're an informant of some sort that is here planted amongst the hip hoppers to get them all locked up and you're doing the government's bidding. Right. How do you feel about that, that, that rumor and... Um, what's your response to it? Uh, I feel like it's almost uh, a compliment these days in, in a certain type of way. Hmm. If you feel that I go so far with my questions that I almost sound like the police, it almost sounds like an interrogation, <laughs> that means that I'm doing, that I am pushing the limit to, to my art form you know, as far as I could possibly get it. You know, at the end of the day, it takes a lot of guts and it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of confidence. It takes a lot of bravery to sit down with someone that you don't know, that you're meeting for the first time right then and there and talk about their most intimate, you know, details of their life. Mm -hmm. It's not easy. It's not. It's not easy. I, I, that's why I just said it because it's not. It's. it's it, it looks. It's it looks. Easy. It looks easy from the outside. What's the big deal? You're just asking questions. A lot of research goes behind these questions. Sometimes weeks of, of research. You know, not only traditional research, but talking to people. You know, I've I've called you at various times mm-hmm. as I'm getting ready to interview someone else and say, hey. Do you know about this and what happened? Oh, oh, you should go talk to this person. And you're kind of connecting the dots and mm-hmm. finding out stuff. So when people, sometimes people will sit down and be like, you know, like a little baby was like, how do you know that? Like, you know, I, I'll ask him a question. Like, how did you even know that? Like, because we're, because we're researching. Right. Because we're digging in deeper than, than most other people. And, you know, you got to dig and you got to find the, you know, all those things. And then you have to be brave enough to, to ask those questions to someone Knowing that they might get pissed off, knowing they might get, they wa- might walk out, knowing they might fight you mm-hmm. <laughs> over that question, mm-hmm. knowing you know, that, you know, because I'm in the room with the person maybe half the time, you know, half the time we're doing it remotely, half the time we're we're in the room together, uh, you know, knowing that there might be some personal danger to your own safety by asking this question, and to do that over and over again for 13 years uh, is is a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a lot that goes into it. So you uh, you honestly feel you honestly take it as a compliment, man. By this time, right? It because doesn't irk you no anymore. No, 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 because 
because because I'm not trying to hide anything. It's right. not like I used to be the police and right. I'm trying to you know right. <laughs> try to hide that the fact. Uh, nah, I don't have any association with the with the police or the feds or anything right. else like that. I have a successful business that speaks for itself, mm-hmm. right? I wasn't just planted there and you know out of nowhere suddenly I'm paying thousands for interviews. <laughs> I don't even have a website. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know, like a federal informant will just right. pop up somewhere with a bunch of money, wants to buy a bunch of, co- you know, yeah. bunch of Coke and, you know, and you don't quite know where he is, but he's got the money and, and so forth. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it, it doesn't bother me. I've heard it so many. I mean, I've heard it pretty much from the beginning. So yeah. from the beginning, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. It, it, pretty has much. it picked, has it picked up steam as your popularity grew or yeah, everything picks up steam as as it, as it, yeah. yeah everything does yeah. everything gets bigger more people talk about you bigger people talk about you mm-hmm. you get mentioned in songs and in movies and tv shows and yeah it just gets bigger and bigger and you know you just deal with it how you deal with yeah. it you but you know you, you just focus on the work right you focus on the work and you you also realize that you're creating this content for people to talk about it for right. people to you know celebrate it or hate it and, mm-hmm. and, and create conversations around that, which ultimately brings more energy to what it is that you do. Like we don't, I'm not creating this stuff and playing it in my basement to, to three people. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm, I'm opening it up to the world. And no, cause I was just going to say, yeah. you're now being covered by yeah. other media outlets. Yeah, they, I mean, they're taking your content and using yeah, it. Yeah, they, they always have. Like, you know, like I, mean, I was on, we were on Wendy Williams yesterday. Wendy mm-hmm. was playing our Vivica Fox clips and, and talking about The Vivica that. Fox stuff is flowing around a lot. Yeah, it's I've floating seen it around. Number, yeah. different it's, places. It's, it's floating around, you know, a, a bunch of- Epic know, interview. Yahoo News picked it up. You mm-hmm. know, uh, I mean, we've been on I mean, from CNN to Fox to whoever. Right. You know, over time. You know, if whatever we do- Makes sense for that platform. They pick it up and they cover it. So yeah, I mean, the, the stuff you feel legitimized. Do, does does that make you feel legitimized? That um, like CNN, yeah, using using your shit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a bigger a bigger platform. You know, I mean, we we know how big we are. We know we're not as big as CNN, mm-hmm. and you know, a bigger platform promoting it to their audience is really more. It's not so much of the oh, we feel legitimized because I've always felt legitimized. Mm-hmm. What we do is legitimate. But to have a totally different audience that may have never heard of Vlad TV because they don't feel Vlad TV is a is a household name in America, not, not at all. Get damn it, close, bro. It, it's a household name in hip hop, mm-hmm. right? For and sure. and maybe Hollywood and maybe sports to a mm-hmm. certain degree, but not to to general America. Okay, you know, so to have access to a general America kind of a crowd and potentially get some more people, you know, be on the radar uh, with some of those people, that's what feels good to me. No doubt. Okay, so I want to run through these next questions really quick. Um, any interview that you've wanted that you haven't got yet? Just give me one. I'm sure it's more than one. Woo! I but mean, what's the big one? I mean, you know, for I me, it's this. Rihanna. I haven't gotten her yet. I'm still working on it. We're going to yeah. get that. We're going to get that. Um, I mean, I could talk about the interviews that were like in process that never happened because okay. the person passed away. Um, oh, shit. You know, most recently, of course, was a DMX. You know, I've talked about that. Yeah. That was in process. That never happened. Me and Pop Smoke, we were supposed to do an interview like that next week. Hmm. That never happened. Uh, Dick Gregory, that was something that was sort of in the works, but I had to go down to Washington, D.C. to do it, and I just couldn't quite fit that into my schedule, so I just kept procrastinating on it. Mm-hmm. My fault, you know. Um, Paul Mooney has sent me an email a few years ago mm-hmm. saying that he loved the show. Rest and, in peace to Paul Mooney. You know, he was a big, you know, he talked about how much he liked the Lunell interviews. 
you know, they were, they were real close. I wished I had gotten that at some point, but that never happened. Okay. Uh, so those, you know, that's a list of ones that I felt were like at least achievable to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I would like to do Obama or, or whoever else, but <clears throat> you those say Rihanna ain't achievable for me. Bro? I've interviewed Rihanna actually. You have. I'm well, talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interviewed Kanye. Um, you could do Rihanna. Just gotta catch her the right spot. I just randomly stopped by Def Jam one day and she was there. Wow. And they, I'm like, can I interview her? They're like, yeah, but you gotta keep the lens cap on because she wasn't in in hair and makeup. We gotta wrap it up, but before I do, subscriptions. Yeah. That's the newest thing for Black TV. I want you to talk about that real quick before we get up out of here. Uh, So that's huge. Thank you. Uh, We launched that a few few months ago. I think we're on our third month this month. And uh, this is something I've been wanting to do for a while because the way that we you know, roll out our stuff is if we have like, let's say a two hour interview, um, we'll release it in clips every day, mm-hmm. two to five minute clips. And it might take a month, sometimes even two months for all the clips to be released. And then the full interview comes out at the end. You know, for example, like the new Boosie interview is almost three hours long and it's 44 parts, right? So a good month and a half. So people always ask for the interview, the full interview early, and people have even offered to pay for it. So we said, okay. So we launched the, the YouTube, the Vlad TV YouTube membership, where for $4.99, you get access to the full interview the day it's released, right sometimes even early. So for example, my interview with Gonzo is out right now for Vlad TV YouTube members. And the first clip will start on Sunday to the general public. That's what's up. So if you shout paid your five Gonzo. bucks this month, yep, shout out to Gonzo. If you paid your five bucks, you could watch the whole Gonzo interview right now. That's what's up. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, we've gotten thousands of members now and with more every nice. day. So it's just... Uh, Congratulations. Yeah, man, it's just dope. It's dope because right. I feel like we're, we're giving a good service to the people who, who really want that, you know, who are willing to pay the five bucks not to wait. And to people who don't want to pay, they get the exact same experience anyways. So it doesn't take anything away from them. Dope. Yep. Dope. Congratulations on that, man. Thank you. Congratulations on that. Must continue success. Um... Appreciate the motherfucking suit, man. This is this is not his <laughs> this, normal. This is the wear, first time man. like anyone's seen me in a suit. Actually, anyone's really seen me in a suit publicly. This they, is it. Look, this is it. Right. The here. Outlaw Show, man. Outlaw Show. Idiot, I mean, Vlad. You know what it is, man. Make sure you follow us. 